Hello, and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name's Atish. My name is Chris Scott. And in this week's episode, we talk about keeping the podcast alive. And I completed shooting my first short film for the Murder Mystery Night. So we do a little recap of that. And Atish talks about Les Brown for some reason uh, and Step Brothers. You, you work in this field a lot more. What do you mean? Like in events and, and in, you know, kind of media relations type stuff. You know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm pretty novel to this. I don't know how you do it. Oh, work with people like this? Yeah. It's garbage. It is garbage. <laughs> it's like it's like too many people's competing egos trying to get, you know, their stuff covered. And it's like, hey, no, what, what about the project in and of itself? Exactly. No one ever cares about the end project or the project by its – everyone just cares about themselves and how it makes them look. Right. And that's the hardest thing to – get over well i even think in in terms of like a movie that can be super destructive right you know what if an actor tries to like oh, i'm gonna demonstrate my range right or i'm gonna do whatever that's not what the character is uh-huh. and now they're fucking up your movie for the sake of their reel right does that happen well it happens kind of in the opposite way like uh so we just filmed uh the short film uh one of the shorts for the murder mystery night have you released the name or no i don't know if i have yet but it's called Good Cop, Mom Cop. It's out there. Okay. And so there was this there were there was this role of a of a detective, like the the doofus detective. <laughs> doofus detective. And I offered it to this one local actor named uh, Charlie Hall, and he was like, oh, "I can't. Uh, if you can work with my schedule, I'll do it. I can come in from Friday afternoon for two hours, and then uh, for fifteen minutes on Saturday, whenever it's a, uh, good for me." Because his role was so small, and it was just—it was kind of like a—it was—it's a throwaway role. And okay. for any actor, actor, they wouldn't—that's been in it for a while—they wouldn't take that role because it's so small. Hmm. And so, uh, I was talking to him. I was like, "Well, what if we did? Uh, what if I offered you this? Offered you this other role of the bad guy, like the serial killer?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it can be there whenever you need me there." Oh, are you kidding me? No. He's like, oh, you want me there Friday morning? Yeah, I can make that work. I can be there. Wait, how could he allow himself to be so transparent? Because uh, after after he said, sure, I can be there for that. He's like, when, when are you going to have the edit done? Because I need this on my reel. Because he liked the character that much and he liked the dialogue that much. Hmm. And so for him, on his side, this is going to make me look good in the future once I send this off to other people to right. do their thing. Totally self-serving. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to find people who are who are just in line and in, in totality with the project. And I think the best way to, I mean, it's hard to do that because then it'd be hard to cast. But the ultimate way to do that is that nobody's getting anything out of this, right? But then why would anybody do it? Right. Well, therein lies the that's the that's the philosophical question. Why would anyone do anything? Why would anybody not, want to do yeah. anything? Right. <laughs> well, so that's kind of that's kind of the the dilemma that we're running into running into on this other project as it were as it were as it were but you know it'll it'll be good it'll be fun it'll be something we can put on the books some new experiences uh we can drink some tequila that's always a good thing that's uh, i mean it's a good thing until it's a bad thing in my experience i remember uh wasn't the last time you and i were at um our bar when you kept making me do shots of Frenette? No. Was it? <laughs> Probably. You, you said, because we don't go to our bar that often. I remember the last time that we went to our bar, I said I didn't want to go to our bar because I didn't want to see certain people. Oh. And then we saw those people. Yeah. And I was like, don't worry, we're not going to see those people. And they were there. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Damn. Good times. Well, so you mentioned uh, the the short. Right. How'd that go? First off, okay, we're sitting face to face, man. We are sitting face to face. We haven't talked to each other in like three weeks. I know, and this is the first time we've seen each other. Yeah, in like three months, probably. Yeah, face this to is face. this is uh, the first time I'm back in Tucson. Is it? I think so. I th- I'm yeah, pretty sure this is the first time I'm back in Tucson since I left. I think when you left, you went and then you came back that next weekend, and then you were gone forever. Yeah, what was I doing? Oh, I think I had to like finish packing up the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came back that one that the very next weekend, um, 
packed up the rest of my house, brought it all out. And then uh, I've been in Phoenix ever since. And now we're sitting face to face. We're back in the closet. We're, yeah, we're back. <laughs> we are back literally in, in a closet. Yeah, I'm house sitting again. And if you hear a snoring dog in the background, that's Rocky. He's a hundred year old dog. Dude, so old. That just he follows you everywhere and then falls asleep and then snores extremely loud. Yeah, I can see him sleeping and snoring right now. So maybe I'll move him to the living room. Oh, it's all ambient noise. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, this is what I live with when I stay here. Yeah. Is an old dog following you around everywhere you go. Yeah. And then snoring 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. I mean, do you, are you the type of person, do you go to sleep with nothing on? Like, do you go to sleep just total silence? No, I need, I need noise to happen. Yeah. Like I need like a, the TV on. I need to fall asleep to a really bad sitcom. Yeah. I, uh, I was sleeping to Frasier for a long time. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I meant to go and do Cheers, but that never happened. Um, I've just I've done like The Office a whole bunch, mm-hmm. and uh, and I never got into The Office. Yeah, you just possibly alienated like most I, of our. I if we had did. any listeners, we probably don't anymore. We have listeners. No, I've well, there's like the British Office and the American Office, right? And the British Office is the guy is kind of just like an ass the whole time. Yeah. And the American office guy, he's kind of just an idiot. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. And I can't deal with embarrassing okay. stuff. So therein lies my problem with the office is that uh, the boss or the the branch manager or whatever, that guy, Michael Scott, he's such an idiot asshole that like I would not – he could not have – it's not plausible that he would not – like that he could have gotten to this point. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, it doesn't make any sense that he actually could have went from being like a salesperson on the phone and then rose to the ranks. To manager, district manager, branch manager. I think district manager, district manager would, we don't live in districts. And then cause Dwight would say he was assistant. Assistant to the regional manager. Regional manager. Regional manager. Boom. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we just had to put the, the <laughs> word. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like it just the whole storyline doesn't make any fucking sense because there's no way anyone would have hired Michael Scott for anything. Which okay. Quick question. Uh oh. L- little tangent tangential aside. Okay. What are your thoughts or how do you feel in terms of you like it, you hate it, whatever, about the movie Step Brothers? I don't know. I've never seen it. That is probably... I don't like Will Ferrell movies. Oh, my God. Thank you. The, there's only one Will Ferrell movie I like. Which is that? The Other Guys. I didn't see that one. It was hilarious. It totally makes sense that you would like that movie, though, because you are totally into buddy cop things. Uh, I saw that movie on a whim in the theater, and I was hooked. I'm sorry. Did you say the theater? In the theater. <laughs> And there's a scene in that movie where it opens with Samuel Jackson and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yes. As like the the good guy cops. That right. Everybody, and Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg were the other guys. Yeah. And they wanted to take over their roles. Yeah. And uh, there's a scene in that movie where they're chasing bad guys and they get to the ledge of a building and they just turn to each other and say, aim for the bushes after the bad guys ziplined across mm-hmm. the alleyway and cut the rope. And they just said, aim for the bushes. And they jump off the building, and it's New York City, and they just land on the sidewalk. It was hilarious to me. <laughs> there were no bushes anywhere to be found. So wait, you're telling they're me they're playing uh, the Foo Fighters? There goes my hero. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite Foo Fighters moment as well. Wait, isn't our Foo Fighters? They're also the ones who do that song Everlong, right? I think so. Or which one's the one that was cut into that video that was like thirty minutes long? It was like, "Give me the best, the best, the best." That probably that's the best. And it like it possibly could have been few Foo Fighters. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Foo Fighters. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't. Okay, here's my thing with Step Brothers and a majority of Will Ferrell movies. If you took out, uh, so you didn't see Step Brothers, but a quick thought experiment to any listeners who have seen Step Brothers, and especially if you like Step Brothers. If you 
take out Adam Scott's character. Adam Scott, who's a great actor. I like him a lot. But in that movie, he is like such a ramped up asshole. Like not not even just at a regular level of, of villain opposition, but way, you know, they, they crank the meter to 11. Um, not 26. God damn it. <laughs> I use that phrase way too much to, okay. Um, it's all right, man. Just own it. Yeah, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna. 26. Yeah, they cranked it up to 26, and um, but if you remove Adam Scott's character, who are the bad guys in that film? I have no idea. Yeah, you don't know. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, the people that you are trying to make the protagonists of your story or the main character of your story, are actually the bad guys of your story because they just fuck up their parents' lives and they just fuck everything up and they're just idiot assholes and like, you know, whatever. Like, not even likable characters. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Will Ferrell does in all of his movies. I really don't understand it. I don't I, I don't get how he gets away with yelling all the time. Yeah. It seems like he's always yelling at things. And just not fucking funny. Not funny at all. Um, I, I watched Talladega Nights. Ugh. Yeah, I remember when I worked at Channel Four. There was a the, the morning news crew was very, uh, they were big fans of that movie. Uh huh. I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. And when I told them I'd never seen it, they're like, "What? You haven't seen it?" And they would quote it for the entire commercial break. Well, and perfect segue here into a kind of a, I think that's because of an epidemic of passable movies, like just passable movies. Okay. Have you seen the recent movie, um, John Krasinski, you know, good guy. I, I like him. Uh, a Quiet Place? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So. Have I, you seen it? I have. Did you enjoy it? Yes, but. Okay. Yes, but. Here's my thing. Um, and I'll remove all the other stuff any details because also it, because it's a recent movie i don't feel like i can freely speak about it like i can with stepbrothers mm-hmm. because everyone's already seen that movie or they're never going to right with a quiet place maybe some of our listeners won't have seen it and it's just because they haven't been able to they had to go to the dmv some one weekend or whatever <laughs> i don't i don't know um and you haven't seen it so i'm not going to ruin it because i was at the dmv because you're at the dmv yeah um it's it is a good movie it is a good enough movie uh, weirdly enough, I think it's a better rental than it is a better watch in the movie theater because I watched it, um, the week after it had come out or maybe the Saturday after the Thursday it had come out or something like that. I don't know. So it was a packed movie theater. That movie relies on atmospheric tension and, you know, silence because mm-hmm. if you know anything about the plot of the movie, it's like they well, have to be completely quiet. They have to be quiet. Right. It's called... A quiet place. Yeah. It's completely ruined by the sound of other people around you. Well, not completely ruined. I don't want to be dramatic. It, 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 still, it still gets it done. Uh-huh. But the whole kind of tense atmosphere is really taken away from by hearing other people open shit or drink shit or eat shit. Or t- like these f- – some some mom brought her like, I don't know, 10-year-old or – you know, whatever into the theater. And he's just like talking at an audible, like a, just a normal, like how I'm talking right now. Uh huh. And you talk really loud. Well, I don't think this is very loud. You're yelling, dude. (laughs) I have earplugs in. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Whatever. He was talking loud. And so that kind of, that's my recommendation for people. If you actually like, if you're really into the premise of the movie, just watch it at home. Just watch it at home. Okay. Okay. But second, I noticed the exposition was just like right away. It just kind of told you everything that there is to know in a very obvious way. There are like when you watch it, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about because there's you'll see John Krasinski like not writing on, but like he's next to this whiteboard that like basically has all his thoughts about what's going on and like whatever. There's a newspaper blowing in the wind that tells you. It just tells you. Mm-hmm. But where it's like you didn't have to actually literally put it out there in in visual uh, writing, we can interpret it 
based on, you know, because the movie is ostensibly two hours long. Right. We can interpret it. Give us half an hour of the stuff that you were doing already. You know, oh, everyone's being quiet. Yeah, whatever. We figure out why you're being quiet and also because that happens within the first 30 minutes of the movie also. You are introduced to the uh, whatever. Monsters? Perhaps. Aliens? Perhaps. Antagonists? The antagonists. You're introduced to that very early. Very early in the movie. So it's like, why did you bother with all this exposition? We would have figured out everything we need to figure out and then everything else would have remained a question that would have kept us interested in the movie. Right. I had already figured out how the movie was going to go within uh, probably within that first 20 minutes just because they wrote like everything was literally written down. And also because I know how movies and TV works where, and I can't say the rest of it of this thought because if I do, it'll ruin a, a pivotal plot point. Oh, don't do that. I'm not going to. Don't be that gay. But as soon as it's been six months since the release of this movie and everyone has seen it who is going to see it. It'll randomly blurt it out. Yeah. We're going to come back to this episode. What is, is this 31? This is 31. Okay. We're going to come back to – I'm going to reference episode 31 and I'm going to tell you exactly why I knew what was going to happen in the movie happened in the movie. Oh, man. I've missed those. <laughs> tish rants. It was kind of like when I – Can I just say? Yeah. Uh – the last two episodes were kind of bizarre episodes for us. Yeah. Was one, one was just me. One was you and me with interviewing someone else. Yeah. They're kind of weird episodes. They're weird episodes. I'm, I'm, it's a shame because this format, like this right here, even though we are in a closet with a, with a snoring dog, snoring dog, dog annoying cat, annoying cat in the background. Yeah. This is pro, this is the best format. Yeah. Easily the best format. And it's a goddamn shame. This, you know, like this, this can't feasibly occur. Well, don't move to Phoenix. I know. But at the same time, there were two solid weeks where we couldn't get together like this, even virtually. Yeah, even virtually. Skype, but we still made something happen. Mm -hmm. And I know when I do things on my own, like my whole trying to be active on social media, if one little hiccup shows up, I stop. Yeah. But we kept this going. Yeah, actually, I, I think that's in a – because I also have certain impulses where I can kind of be like, ah, screw it. Like, I'll let this one slide. But if you let that one slide – Then the next one slides right, and then everything exactly. else slides. But it's a weird thing that we've got going on where we're holding each other accountable. accountable. Yeah. And I think that's what it is with uh, my own personal social media stuff is there's no one to hold me accountable for. Right. Yeah. I, I think that kind of helps – Especially in a lot of, you know, young business ventures and a lot of uh, things like that is you're going to get some pushback or you're going to get some cost or you're going to get some whatever. And you're going to wonder to yourself, is this worth doing? Right. Like, is this still worth doing? And that's kind of where a lot of people, especially young entrepreneurs by themselves, will be like, well, fail early, fail cheap. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you have somebody else and you can kind of you can kind of um, put your heads together, it kind of helps give you the perseverance or give you the guts to just be like, well, let's let's find out. Let's like let's just do it a little longer. Let's figure it out. Right. You know, so I think that's kind of what's working out here. We just have to keep each other in line with what the what the end goal or what the mission is. So I think we're at our six month mark. Oh shit! Really? Doing this for six months, yeah. And two weeks ago, I was I was thinking, what could I do? I could dig through those old episodes mm-hmm. that we never released. I was thinking about what if I find something in there? Oh and, no, and there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't. <laughs> I was like, those first five episodes that we never released, but we recorded. Uh, yeah, we should probably never. Yeah. So, or even releasing that very first one, that might be weird. That would be weird. Because we're so different from then, especially you. You're not, you're kind of taking a different path. Yeah, I um, it's kind of a an interesting thing to see some parts of what I wanted legitimized and some parts kind of left by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, I don't think you can ever get a hundred percent what you want. I think there will be concessions made along the way, no matter what. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but how big or how insignificant those concessions are, I mean, that's really up to you. And I think I've worked my way into a place where what I'm doing now is more easily generalized to what I'm trying to do in the future. Because in the year 2000, in the year 2000, uh, I miss old Conan. I miss, I, I, I don't know. I don't really, the, there was an episode where he went, where he took his, uh, like assistant associate producer to Italy. Jordan Schlansky. Jordan Schlansky. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was hilarious. Oh, it is. But that's the problem is, is that I've been following the Jordan Schlansky bits from the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, when like he had the first bits where, Oh, Jordan Schlansky doesn't come in or like, early to work mm-hmm. he's he's always late to work yeah or yeah. like when he gets that that coffee machine or they organize his desk yes okay yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah and it's like they kind of it's obvious that they're hitting their stride with the same tropes like th- their relationship doesn't evolve so the jokes don't evolve it did though they went to they took him to italy but didn't they just do that in cuba oh no conan went to cuba by himself and he went to north korea by himself and yeah which i would totally go to cuba I would totally go to Italy. I have no interest in going to either Korea, honestly. I'm, yeah, I'm not interested in the Asia. No offense. <laughs> well, okay. First of all, you should be. Um, Thailand is awesome. Vietnam is awesome. Um, apparently, I went to Japan. I always forget that you've got tattoos. Everybody does. Yeah. Um, apparently, I went to J- Japan when I was like really young, but I don't remember that, obviously. It's like when I went to Germany. You went to Germany really young? Uh, I was 18. What? But I only went to, I, I thought I only went to Austria. Uh-huh. But we took a salt mine tour. Mm-hmm. And for a few minutes, we were in Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah. Underground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then we came back around. Exactly. That's kind of as much knowledge and experience I have of Japan. Right. Um, uh, Conan Bits, how did I get here? I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. But we persevered we got through those two awkward weeks where yeah it was it was my schedule kind of conflicting just you know it was leaving availabilities for times that just don't work or don't really make any sense um i had some personal family stuff going on mm-hmm. which uh damn if it could be avoidable <laughs> i would i really would have wished it was right but uh but yeah i to me, and I and I think to you as well, this uh, this podcast gives a. N- not only is it something that I want to do, and I'm ambitious for what can come of it, but I also have gotten into a routine where I like to do it. Right. You know, and it's kind of like a check-in. Um. Yeah, it hasn't gotten tedious or annoying yet. Right. Yet. Yet. <laughs> um. And perhaps that's something worth investigating down the line. Um, when to <laughs> when to call things quits, or when something is still worth you know when you've still got some like juice to squeeze out of it. Yeah, yeah, squeeze that juice. Do you know who uh, Les Brown is? Is he uh, an R and B singer? Well, no, but. <laughs> He's not, but I, uh, okay. He's, um, I listen to a lot of these sort of motivational speakers and at first it was just because their, their kind of like motivation really worked for me. It really got me in the gym or got me excited about going to work or doing whatever I was doing. Uh But now I've started to actually realize or not realize, but I've started to actually think that some, not all. But some of these things that they say are principles. They're examples of reoccurring life events. Like, how do you draw conclusions about rules to life? Instantly. You're so fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but like, how do you like. When it comes to rules and people, I usually draw conclusions instantly. Really? Yeah. But when it comes to like my, my own creative decisions, I'm 
lost. I was like, I don't know. Maybe. What do you guys think? Let me be more specific. When you were doing this shoot uh-huh. for uh, for Good Cop, Mom Cop. Right. What kind of things made you – this is too vague of a question. Like, how did you design your plan for how you were going to go about shooting it? I designed my plan by – well, my first goal was to not settle for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, no settling. And why was that? Because I settled a lot on the Mummy movie. Okay. I settled with people I was working with. I settled with shots, shots and locations and actors and all yada, yada, yada. But this time it was like, no settling. We can't right. settle anymore. I'm too old for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so by being able to instantly make decisions about who I want to work with and places I want to shoot and all this other stuff, it kind of uh-huh. made the shoot part uh, more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't seem like I was enjoying it, I was. That's a stressful three days. So you based your shoot now on stuff that you learned from your other shoot. Right. Right. So some, but not all of the stuff that I hear these motivational speakers talk about, some of it I can kind of see given enough time I can see how it's it's not actually something that they're saying because they want to sell me a CD or a book or whatever, which I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their living. Right. But it's also because there's enough evidence out there that it's it's kind of a truth that they're putting into their words. Like astrology. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I don't know. You don't think astrology is based in some sort of group of coincidences? No, I think astrology – so I'll give you a good counterexample. I think astrology is a bunch of stuff that's – it's cold reading. Mm-hmm. Like do you know who John Edwards is? The politician? No. Who? Uh, shit, there is an Edwards politician. John Edwards, crossing over with John Edwards. Oh, that guy with the weird mustache. No, he didn't have a mustache. Are you sure? <laughs> You're just like shooting blindly. No, John Edwards was this guy who had this TV show. I don't think he has it anymore. Although when I was moving out of Tucson, I saw a billboard that he still – like he was coming to Tucson for a live event. Yeah, he was uh, – I think it was in town. I didn't go to see him, but – Well, he didn't have a weird mustache, so mm-hmm. I don't know if you <laughs> you know who we're talking you about. you sure? I'm pretty sure. Um. John Edwards is like this medium type of guy, and he is always talking about how, yeah, no, no mustache, no mustache. I'm very confused. Yeah, um, he uh, he says things like, "I'm I'm getting a voice like maybe something starting with a J, J." And she's like, "Oh my god, John!" And he's like, "John, yeah, he uh, he passed. He was close to you, right?" And I'm doing this is all a very diminutive impression. I'm not really capturing exactly what he does. But basically what he does is he feeds off of what your expressions and what you're giving him to come to a conclusion that makes him seem as though he's speaking to the dead or whatever, but he's not. I was thinking of this guy, James Van Prague. Who the hell is that? That's another medium guy. I think he was, when I was your age, this was the, the That was guy. the guy? Yeah. Now it's John Edwards or Chris Edwards, whoever Chris Edwards is. The Tucson Appliance Man. Oh, my God. Where low prices are our priority. Dude, it's no wonder that – like, do you understand how crazy I – and you probably also seem to other people, how crazy I seem to other people? Because I can only relate things to other – like, I I talk about things I've seen on TV. Oh, that's just like this episode of whatever. Uh You know, that's what happened, um, like, my superpower, if I had a superpower, or if anyone had superpowers, this would be mine. It's that I can tell you something that happened in a Simpsons episode, and I can tell you what episode and what season. Oh, weird. Yeah. I never watched The Simpsons. But it failed me. The What? You know this. You must know this. Everybody knows this. I could not have known that because I think I would have registered my fucking indignation. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move off of that one only because I'm worried about the content of this podcast, but we're going to get into this later. I can't start now. There's like a thousand hours of it, right? 
Well, fucking ignore seasons. Like, I'm not like most people say, oh, the golden era of The Simpsons happened from season three until uh, season 12 or something like that. And I think they're wrong. I think the golden era happened from season four until season, give or take, 19. Oh, my God. I was really hoping you were going to say five. <laughs> no. <laughs> I could do two seasons of the now, simpsons now get me back to i was talking about motivational speakers cold reading uh god damn it and mediums and yeah i was kind of all over the map That's i have okay. no idea what you i really don't know i honestly don't know what you're talking about oh so some stuff uh is just like cold reading in in terms of like motivational speakers and successful people such as you know tucker max gary vaynerchuk um uh you know th- these kinds of people uh eric thomas yada yada they, some of their stuff is just like cold reading type material, stuff that will make you feel as though you're more uh, like, oh, no, you can do it. Like, all you got to do is wake up and grind, stuff like that. You know what I mean? But then there's some stuff that is actual truths, like truths. Now, why was I talking about that, though? I don't know, man. But But you were talking about something about decision making or – Principles, decision making. Oh, you based your last shoot or your current shoot on your last one. Right. So you're setting up like a set of principles, a set of rules. Right? Well, yeah. Well, I, I took a moment and I reflected on what went well, what went terrible on the last big production I worked on. And I kind of. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Like. Finally, we found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I work too much. I don't find enough time to drink. I I can't hold my liquor anymore. Uh oh. Uh huh. You want another one? Uh, probably. Yeah. I'm I'm no longer in the bar industry, so it's hard for me to you know keep up with. Anyways, um, the the point being that like that is how you know things are going to push forward and how things are going to function whether it be with this podcast or whether it be with your shoot or whether it be, you know, whatever we have to, we establish through routine practice and through repetitions of events, we establish kind of principles or rules or guidelines, if you will, to how things, how to execute things better. Mm -hmm. And that's what takes you from just a circle of doing the same thing over and over again. Because imagine if you didn't learn anything from your shoot from uh, Eddie Mummy. Right. And then you do another shoot. Do you think it would be better, worse, or more or less the same? Well, something weird happened with this last shoot, Good Cop, Mom Cop. The The shoot went really, really well. Mm-hmm. And the Eddie Mummy shoot didn't feel as good as this one felt. And the shoot I did before... Eddie Mummy, not including Wild the Wolf that we made. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was called Confession of an Aquarian Assassin. It's on Instagram. If you follow my Instagram page, at Elephant Scout, you can watch the whole thing. Yeah. That felt really, really good. Mm-hmm. It felt like we nailed it. This Good Cop, Mom Cop felt like we nailed it. But what happened with Eddie Mummy was I was forced to work with people kind of outside of my bubble. Yeah. And what? what I was able to do with this next one was invite new people into the bubble that fit. And that that's what, that's what made it feel really good. People were on board for the project as opposed to on any mummy. People were there for uh, the paycheck. It felt like. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. So you actually came out with something that, um, something that was more true to what you were writing in the first place. Not the fact that it was more true. It was that uh, everyone was on board with it. Okay. If it was, I don't know. It, it's a weird, it's weird to direct something, to write something and direct something. Yeah. And produce it and make it happen because not a lot, one, not a lot of people do it. And two, the people that do do it are kind of like in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And and this, this, it felt like everyone was in it because they all were enjoying it and they all believed in the whole project yeah yeah and it wasn't that they were getting behind me but it was like they were getting behind the vibe and the energy and it kind of just made everybody want to go 100 percent. and that's what happened which was a bizarre experience yeah 
which wasn't happening on the mummy movie on the mummy movie. Everyone was just like, Oh, another day. Let's go home. Hmm. And it was kind of not that at all. Do you think that reflected in the performances you got? The performances, I took a little time to do rehearsals and work with all the actors before we got on set, which I didn't get a chance to really do with all the mummy actors. And so I feel like the performances were kind of figured out beforehand. Yeah. And a lot of the actors I was working with, they were very, uh, they thought they were good roles that they were handed. Yeah. And so they wanted to do well at them. Right. So they could use that on their reels in their future. So, which is, which also felt really good. Yeah. That you could deliver that. Right. So do you think the idea that um, the actors in the roles that were given in Good Cop, Mom Cop, it, it seemed like they took over more ownership over those roles and therefore they delivered better. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Well, this time around, the actors were generally better. Than Eddie Mummy, <laughs> just generally, they generally were better. Mm-hmm. They they were, they were able to separate separate themselves from the role, and from the production, and from themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they understood, hey, we're on lunch, so I can be myself. Or, and hey, we're about to take do a take. I need to be in character. Yeah. Or hey, we're n- the day is wrapped, and I they can just be like whatever. Yeah. And it's there was there was no drama yeah behind the camera it right. was all in front of the camera right okay oh <laughs> play on words quote box that that that's our bumper cut it but there were there, i think there was a moment where i got yelled at by the lead actress but it was hilarious and i don't know if she was really yelling at me but it was really funny really uh, is this cut on camera anywhere no I wish. I got to call her and find out. But it was I miss with, uh, all the good stuff. But it was with uh, Betsy that we were talking with yeah. last week. Yeah. And this was Betsy's first movie that she's ever been in. But she took some drama theater classes in college when she went to college. Mm-hmm. And she nailed it. She was 100% nailed the role. And she was helping with Crafty, like moving Crafty to the cars, uh, the snacks and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, from location to location. She was helping do stuff like that. Yeah. And we needed a, a police car for this. And she called up her buddy, Jim click. And he loaned us a car for the three days. Damn. Just up straight up loaned it, which was crazy. Wow. That's awesome. And so like, she was a hundred percent into the project and being a part of it. Yeah. I, I definitely, I would call that ownership. I think that she took an ownership role on her part in the movie. Yeah. Or the short or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that that means that you're going outside of like I know I said role in the movie, but I mean that like the development of the whole project as opposed mm-hmm. to just literally your role in the movie. Right. Like very less self serving and more kind of altruistic in terms of the the project as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean and and that's something I forget where I heard this. It might have been uh, – maybe I was listening to something with Judd Apatow. Lee Brown. Who's Lee Brown? He's an R&B singer. No. Les Brown. Oh, Les Brown. No, we've moved on from Les Brown. I mean, I, I have plenty of things to say about Les Brown. Did you make that point? No. I don't remember. I don't yeah, remember. Me I'm sorry. But now I'm, sorry, I'm on, now I'm on Judd Apatow. Oh, my goodness. Is Les Brown – Somebody let me know if Les Brown is still alive because I'm operating off the assumption that he's dead. Okay, I don't even know who he is. So he's a uh, he's like this old black man who's like, a, oh right, that's where I was going. <laughs> I was. It's not over until I win. Okay, that's the truth about life. But anyway, we <laughs> we've so moved past. <laughs> we've so moved past that. So let's not derail what I'm working on now. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Yeah, I know. I've, I have lost my steam. Um, no, but I was listening to something uh, by Judd Apatow where he was saying that he writes stuff and he he's arguably a good writer. Right. One could say. Well, he's still working. <laughs> he's been around for a long time. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. He's still mm-hmm. working. He, obviously, he makes a lot of movies. Um, right. I would say they're... 
all all of them better than uh Step Brothers. So Sure, which I think he was a producer on. Are you fucking for real? No, I have no idea. Oh, okay. Um but he he said something to the effect of like I'll try and get the actors to do justice to what I've written, but then sometimes after after I do a bunch of takes of that, I give them two or three takes to kind of just do how you know maybe change the words around, change the blocking, do whatever you know whatever, but just kind of play around with it. And he said sometimes or a lot of times I end up getting something better out of those takes than I do out of uh, than I do out of. The ones well, I had taken previously that, wanted, that right. were just like verbatim to what I wanted. Right. Because they end up combining me putting the idea in their head of what they're trying to, what they're feeling, what they're trying to get across, what they're trying to say right now. And then they're putting it in their interpretation. And that's like, that's the mark of a good actor, actress, that they can take that information, condense it into whatever that means to them and put it back even better than what was written on the page. Uh-huh. So do you feel, I, I mean, is that what happened? Well, we had a, a different uh, situation than most productions, I feel, this shoot. We were shooting in a different format. We were shooting with an old school camera. Well, not really that old. Probably like five years old. But in di- the digital world, that's ancient. That's ancient, yeah. That's ancient. But we're still shooting 4K, but we're shooting in this raw format that takes a still image for each frame. So there's 24 frames in a minute or a second. Mm, okay so multiply that by 60 seconds to 20 that's a lot of pictures per second okay so uh we were recording in this 4k raw format to this external recorder and it took up a ton of space so the recorder had a terabyte of storage on it and we were filling up at least a terabyte a day Mm -hmm. and the card reader we had wasn't a fast card reader. So we would shoot and fill up a card, which was 500 gigabytes of information. That's a lot. Yeah. And then we would drag and drop it on the computer to, to copy it to a hard drive. So then we could format that card and, and use it to shoot more. Jesus. But the card reader we had said it was for Mac and PC and we only had Mac on the set and it wasn't for Mac and PC. It's only for PC. <laughs> okay. So for, uh, I bought a new cable, uh, mid shoot because it was taking way too long. The first day it took us, uh, I think six hours per card to dump it per 500 gigs. Holy shit. So it took 12 hours to just dump the cards before we could reuse it again. Yeah. Our shoot days were 10 hours long. So we shoot for five hours. We started dump card dump. The day's over by the time that card's empty. Yeah. 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 You. So you, you have even... no, so you basically, did you have to double your shoot time? We didn't. We went long one day because we discovered that problem the first day. Oh yeah, but we were like, "Oh, tomorrow we'll just do this better." But what it did was it restricted us to the amount of takes that we were taking per setup and per shot. Mm-hmm. So we would do a shot, we would review it. If we got it, we moved on. We didn't get anything for backup. We didn't get if someone's like, "I want one more." Yeah. When well, I mean, we did it for, or or like different. Different angles on stuff, different, uh, yeah. We definitely minimized. We minimized a lot, but we also got a ton of coverage, which is something that didn't happen on the Mummy movie. Hmm. I remember there's a scene in the Mummy movie where it's uh, the three guys, the two guys and the Mummy talking after they meet the girls on the trail. And then we just sit on them for two minutes in a solid and one single shot for two minutes. It's one wide shot. And that's because it was time for lunch and we didn't have time to get more coverage. And everybody's like, it's time for lunch. Let's go. And so we went to lunch. <laughs> and when we got to the edit, it's that one wide shot for two minutes. And it was terrible. Oh, shit. But on this movie, it was like, oh, we got this and we got this. We got this cutaway. We got this person's because the director of photography, his name is Sean Lonergan. He was like, hey, let's get a winner of this. Let's get a winner of that. Or just the one single shot of this actor no one single shot of this actor and it was like proper coverage because he cared about getting proper coverage right of the scene and therefore it allowed you to be more efficient about the filming right hmm. so 
I mean, I think that plays into a lot of having the right people in the right room. Right. Well, another thing that happened with this short is that it kind of came together last minute. Yeah. So I think three weeks before we shot, I was having a meeting with uh, Jaime, who was my audio guy. I remember you were having casting issues for a while. Up until shooting day. Really? Yeah. Okay. Up until the day before the shoot, we had (laughs) casting issues. Oh, my God. So ever since I've been talking about this project, the first movie I thought we were going to make was the motocross short. Right. And nothing was falling into place with that. Yeah, yeah. At all. And so I one day I was like, what happens if we try to make good cop, mom, cop happen? And it all just kind of fell into place, hmm. except for one or two actors here or there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so three, four, I guess now, four weeks ago, it was like, hey, let's pick these days to shoot. And then three weeks later, we started making a movie. And locking down locations, like everything kind of just fell into place. And it just happened so fast. Yeah, yeah. That I didn't really get a chance to sit down with like the director of photography and say, this is what I want here in this scene. I want these shots and this type of movement, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, Mm -hmm. yada. I had plenty of time to work with the actors to make sure that they were on point with their lines and if they had any character questions because on set, actors take up the most time (laughs) out of everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. And it's because, and every, having acted in one of your shorts, I uh, I can say I get maybe this is just me personally I get very neurotic. Yeah, well you're neurotic right now. Yeah, that's but true. on set actors are like, mm, what is my motivation for this line? Or if I say it this way, are you okay with that? Or actors are like, hey, I have this coffee cup. I want to use it as a prop. Is that okay? And it's like a bunch of weird, random little things. Yeah. That, what do I do with my hands? Right. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> and so. I was able to get the main actors, at least uh, Betsy and Stefan, the two lead actors, to be in a place where they're comfortable doing their own thing on their own whenever they wanted. Yeah. And then I could deal with all the other minor actors, minor characters on set. Hmm. So, so you're, would you say you're kind of like hitting your stride on that? Or is that something that is just like you're developing this kind of process? I I feel like I I have a lot to figure out still. Yeah. Mostly with my communication skills, communicating visual things is difficult, Mm -hmm. uh, especially on the fly. Yeah. And when you're on a time crunch and you're on, you're only in a location for four hours, it's hard to say, I can walk in and say, hey, I want a two shot of this. But then everybody hears that differently. Right. And they all visualize it differently. Right. And if I don't have something to explain that better, it's. Well, I think. In in what I do, if I'm not the best at communicating or something like that, there's generally some wiggle room. There's sometimes like end of quarter where I everything has to be get, everything's high priority. Everything needs to get done right now. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I can uh, email back, email back and forth, uh, whatever. Oh, let me go. They're not getting it. Let me go talk to them personally. Blah blah blah. I feel like on a movie set, you're not able to have that kind of, like, everything has to be super efficient and super truncated right down to exactly what you need. Like, you have to uh, communicate very effectively because it has to happen right now or else it's probably not happening. Yeah, we did run into a situation with uh, The Sun. Yeah. Uh, We shot in that alleyway in between uh, the Rialto and our bar. Uh, That's a good alley. And I thought... It's in an alley. These buildings are tall. We'll be in the shadow all day long. Oh, no. Where we were not. Yeah. And so what I thought was going to take, we could shoot for a long time. We we lost a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Really fast. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're in the alley. We should be in the shadow all day. And everyone was like, we're not in New York City, man. <laughs> we're not. These are buildings, but not New York City buildings. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And to be were. fair, our bar is literally two stories. Well, that cadence, whatever. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I probably would have uh, thought the same thing. But we didn't have time to scatter it out and be mm. in the location. But if we had time, we probably would have known that. And then we probably would have done things differently. Yeah. Well, at least you can uh, you do a good job of making lemonade. Right. <laughs> Speaking of lemonade. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. That was a really terrible segue. Well, so you're getting that part of the 
Was this a trilogy? No, there's never a trilogy. No, not a trilogy of like the same stories, but you had this one short, you had the second short. Yes, this was a trilogy. So, the- oh. Oh, it was a trilogy. Thank no, you. not a th- trilogy. It's like a three-part it's, yeah, like, anthology. Uh, you know what I mean. It was a... It's like a three-part anthology. Okay, anthology, whatever. Don't make me slap you. This is the first time I've ever failed on a word before, ever, so... No, it's not. Mm. You fail on lots of world, words. Okay. That's right. All right, all right. I'm that guy that says you fail on words while improperly saying the word word. <laughs> No, I, I wanted to make three short films, and the uh, third short film was going to be based on someone else, someone else's writing. Someone else was going to write it, right? But they never wrote it. Yeah. Well, he's not snoring anymore. He's not snoring. I don't know if this means I need to take him outside. Is that what that means? No, I don't know. At least he's uh, coming up to you and and just like notifying you. My uh, my new puppy has already gotten it. Like he's very smart in that he will, like, go to the door and then I open the door and whatever. But he only does that for like he doesn't do that for pissing. Oh, you know what I mean. He doesn't have the same sense of urgency at all. I just saw a Facebook something or other story about some kid that was peeing in his bottom drawer of his dresser. What? He's like two years old or something like that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And he refused to uh, go to the bathroom to pee, but he filled up his bottom drawer. And if somebody was breaking down how this was the greatest picture ever, because <laughs> the drawer could hold the urine, because it was a lot of urine. And also hold the urine, keep the smell in. And there was like a juice box in there. Like, and the kid knew to throw garbage in there. And the kid was smart enough to know that he had to go to the bathroom and not pee his pants. But, but not smart enough to not pee in his drawers. Well... I guess not peeing your pants, like the next step up is peeing in the empty drawer next to you. <laughs> yeah, fair. Hey, fair enough. Go fair enough. Go lay down. Oh my God. He's not about to die, is he? No. I do have a fear about these animals dying. Yeah, I would too. Constantly. Yeah. I would too. These animals are old as shit. Yeah. Well, so. You knocked out this short. Knocked out the short. And then the next one, I, 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 it was implied that I could not ask for favors anymore. From who? The crew. And they're like, if, if, if just a little bit of money would be nice. Uh. So I think the thing, I'm, I'm, as you said last episode, yeah. I'm pretty old. I did not say that. Well, I, okay. Uh, you said I'm, I'm pretty old. And so all the people I work with are also, according to you, pretty old. (laughs) And so when you're 24, 23, fresh out of college, doing a favor on a film production is not a big deal. It's like, yeah, I'm building experience. I'm building up my reel. I'm getting my resume together. All important things. But when you're pretty old (laughs) all that stuff doesn't matter yeah it's like you want me to give up three days of my life for free screw you yeah i'm gonna go work on some weather channel show (laughs) well so it sounds like we uh need to revisit some funding yeah so i need to find funding for this next movie because of the motocross uh, motocross stunt the guy lighting on fire Mm mm-hmm that's going to cost me $1,500 to $2,500. Oh, my God. That's really expensive. And I spent $1,500 on this last short. Wow. And I pulled a lot of favors. Yeah. And Betsy helped out a lot getting that car. And oh, yeah. But I had to pay for the courtroom location. I had to pay for the house. Like It was a kind Wait, of expensive. you had to pay for a house location? It was my friend's Airbnb, but she discounted it. She was very nice. Her name's Claire. She's the only nice Claire that I know. I know. I know a Claire. I know you know a Claire. And I know the Claire that you know. But this Claire is super nice. Yeah. And amazing and awesome. Oh, those are all things that the other one isn't. There's one in a million. Yeah. She's one in a million Claire. She's one in a million Claire's. Okay. Claire. Claire. Well, here's to you, good Claire. Good Claire. Way to 
make it happen. But she, it was, it was an Airbnb. She's like, oh yeah, just rent it on the app and I'll waive the cleaning fee and the service fee and the, and I'll discount the night rates. And it was super nice of her. Oh, cool. So it wasn't full rate. It was, it was deeply discount. discounted. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So. But the next one, I think the locations will be easier. The cast is going to be harder and that stunt's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, that and also there's so many different locations in that next one. Not really. Uh, well, well, there's like a, a, yeah, there's a day of crazy locations. I mean, I can rattle just a couple off my head right now and they seem challenging. Um, one in particular. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> hey, okay. I'm mostly worried about finding the lead actor for it because. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard finding a brown skinned dude. As an actor. Yeah, why is that? That, can, that looks proper for the role. Mm-hmm. There's lots of goofy-looking ones. <laughs> I, can't, I can't work with goofy. You can't work with goofy. you got to have some good-looking brown in, dudes. In this role. So good-looking brown to, dudes who know how to, to act. Yeah, please email me. If you're listening. You're a headshot. Uh, just, just, I don't even need to see your resume. And if you want to do a monologue from Point Break. Yeah. i got to pick one for... The good guy. I picked one for the bad guy. Oh, yeah. And the bad guy I cast, he had to back out because he took another job in Ohio. Ooh, Ohio. Yeah. Mm. I would pick Tucson over Ohio any day. During the summer? Oh, I don't know how Ohio is in the summer. Neither do I. We should Google it. Google it or just go? No, not go. Okay. Well, so it sounds like you've got your hands full on another project. My hands are full on other, on other projects and things are moving forward. I'm really happy that we were able to keep this up in yeah. running. Cause I feel like if we had stopped, it would have been, I don't know. I feel like with podcasts, you have to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I think the ones that fail are the ones where you allow yourself inconsistencies. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm, the, I'm in the mood today. And yeah. then three weeks later. Yeah, exactly. Here's like, another one. It it sometimes isn't always going to be the best, but that also might capture exactly what is needed mm-hmm. out of out of that episode. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a idiotic thought. Probably. <laughs> Probably. But I mean, regardless of how we find ourselves in different stations of what we're doing. So wait a second. Going back to last week's episode. Sure. You're giving a speech at a high school? Well, I haven't necessarily accepted yet, but yeah. Did, so they emailed you or they sent you a text message? Uh, they emailed me. They still know how to get in contact with me because my mom used to my mom used to work at the same high school that I graduated from. Okay. But she's retired now, but like obviously they still know how to contact her. So, yeah. So they reached out to her to say, "Hey, ask a tish to give a commencement speech." Is that what it would be called? I don't know. No, this was like a speech for... Yeah, I guess that would be what that's called. Do you have to wear the gown and have your sashes and... I don't think so. This is a high school. This is a high school. I don't think you do that at high school. I don't know. (laughs) What what gown and what tassels? Like, I... I don't know. I really... I don't know. Are you going to give that speech, though? To tell those kids not to go to college? No, that's not – my God. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I know that's that's the thing. That's why I would kind of worry about the content specifically because I know that's how some people are going to interpret it. Mm-hmm. That's like he's – oh, my God, he's telling my kid not to go to college. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that as important as it is to figure out who you are, it's equally important to figure out who you're not. And and part of that is, like, just experiencing a lot of different things. Whoa. Whoa, man. No, no, it's true. Whoa. No, 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 no. Don't, don't brush this off like some hippie logic or something like that. It's fucking true. Like, a lot of how I figured out, you know, there was a whole lot of presumptive stuff. Just because you're good at something, like, just because I was able and good at school doesn't mean you know what you're doing or no that's like very that. true and i feel like at 18 you have no idea what the heck is going on in right life. and everyone keeps telling everyone well everyone goes to college but that's exactly why well i'm not gonna get into that fucking rant but yeah and people at 18 don't know what they're doing unlike me right now at 34 
Yeah. Like, I obviously know that you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, obviously. And I'm going to prolong this as long as possible. Oh, my God. Because it's hilarious watching you squirm right now. It's, like, gotten so bad that my gums almost are, like, (laughs) hurting or something. But either way, I think next week is the week that we're going to talk about the tipping point. The tipping point. So. I'm excited. Speaking of tipping points, go to the bathroom, Matish. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.